we take the waste plastic in, and the waste plastic come, can come from various sources. Uh, you have some industrial waste plastic, which is sort of the cleanest one. You have have waste plastic from uh, what's sort of collected in, in the general sort of urban environment. And at the end of the day, you have waste plastic, which is just floating around. And that's where we want, want, want to end with. That's also the reason why we think we need to tokenize the waste. We need to tokenize the homes as well. Actually put a value to the waste and plastic float, floating around. But basically what we do do, the waste and the plastic is, is, is coming in. It's sort of sort of sorted in whatever type of plastic it is because there are many types of plastic, you know, polypropylene, PET, palm, whatever. You have all types of plastic. And we have to get sort of our, our get around which is which. And then we have special formulation. How can we then sort of grind them and melt them together and then start sort of uh, make these, these homes? And this, there's a, two routes of doing it. One, one is the sort of 3D printing and one is about extruding. And then, and then it's sort of a type of uh, mixture of, of, uh, of the two. Today's episode is brought to you guys by my 15-step guide to scalable, Series A-worthy growth and marketing. If you're building a startup aiming for a billion-dollar outcome or a solopreneur looking for a sustainable six, seven, or eight-figure business, get my free guide, which you can grab at mattward.io free, which walks you through the best, most proven tactics to acquire and retain customers, applicable for freelancers up to Fortune 500. If you want to grab that, plus bonus hacks and tips to build your business and more, visit mattward.io slash free. And if you need help or ever want to grow your business faster, I coach a handful of hardcore winners building businesses I believe in. You can reach out right on the site, mattward.io for more. Want to build a business that changes the world for the better and make serious money in the process? I believe in the ability of entrepreneurs and innovators to change the world for the better. And that's why I built this podcast. I've put together a free guide for founders fighting to change the world and create long-term, sustainable, profitable businesses. You can grab that for free at mattward.io slash mission. If you're building a business designed to leave an impact on the world, it pays to be prepared. And if you want to go further faster, I also work one-on-one with impact-oriented founders and CEOs looking to 10x results without working harder. You can do it. It comes down to efficiency, mindset, and much more. You can find out more and apply at mattward.io slash coaching. And now let's get on with this awesome episode. Welcome to The Disruptors, the podcast about the future of all of us, where we look at the technologies, trends, and societal norms shaping our collective future. Hear the world's top minds share their insights and predictions on the convergence, direction, and ethics of exponential technologies transforming life as we know it. You can learn more and stay up to date at disruptors.fm. I've been shifting more of my focus and the podcast focus to business for good. And that's why I'm excited about today's interview with Martin Bouver. Martin's the Danish founder of Wohnhomes, a company that is revolutionizing home ownership by taking plastic, literally, and recycling it into micro home. They're doing it to fight inequality, promote better, more sustainable urbanization, and of course, give everyone a place to live. This one is really cool in what they're doing, how they're doing it, and the ways they went about creating a triple bottom line business which are the type of companies I love working with as a consultant. And I know founders out there that are listening are going to learn a thing or two from this nugget of an interview with Morton. Today we discuss what the future of cities actually looks like, why Morton's big on blockchain and tokenization, but not ICOs, the big difference between European and U.S. startups, how to create more effective triple bottom line businesses, the scary truth about surveillance and privacy, and why Trump pulling out of the Paris Accord wasn't such a bad thing, or maybe even had benefits. 
If you're building a business that is designed to be socially impact-oriented, you're going to love this interview. And if you are designing one of those companies, go to mattward.io slash mission. I've got a special guide I put together there to help founders and CEOs building mission-oriented, important companies with some purpose to build their businesses bigger and faster without falling for all the traps. Again, that's mattward.io slash mission. But now, without further ado, I give you Morin Bouver. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. So quick 30,000 foot view. Morton, tell me a little bit more about you, what you're doing with Wound. Yes. I'm the founder of Wound, and what we do, we upcycle uh, waste plastic and waste glass and basically make tiny homes out of it. Tiny homes which are sort of affordable. Uh, that's one issue. And they're sustainable, which is very obvious when you talk about waste, which you turn into homes. And they're circular as well. We're circular from the very sort of sourcing from the waste to also in the, in the way we think the homes are that you can actually move the home around, depending on where the demand for homes is. And then also at the end of the day, when the home is no longer a home, when you sort of have to demolish it, it goes basically back into the grind and we can build new homes out of it. So it's, it's we, we, we talk about sort of three level sort of circulation of um, of the home. You're basically trying to design the home of the future for a, a smaller world, for urban environment. Yes, because the, 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 the point is, if you look at, say, what's actually happening, what's, what's the landscape we're sort of operating in, what's happening right now, you have these sort of 200,000 people basically moving to a city every day, not like you're one big sort of bunch of people, sort of, sort of, sort of moving into cities all over the world, 200,000 people a day. At the same time, sort of United Nations, they sort of estimate that you have some or demand for two billion homes within the next 80 years. And then at the same time, in 2030, OECD says 40% of these households will be single purpose, per, so single person households, which to me at the end of the day means there's a huge demand and already now pressure in the urban environment for homes and in particular for, for tiny homes and affordable homes. And basically, the way it all started with Vaughan was about basically fighting inequality. That's what, where we started. So, and, and with the organization going, uh, we saw inequality sort so, so of uh, increasing. Basically, the rich gets richer and the poor gets, gets poorer because the distribution of wealth was unevenly distributed and, and carry on to, to be that. And basically, that's what, where we started. That's what we want to change. And to us, what's really the core of sort of feeling so unequal to 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 the rest of us I said, do you do you have a home? Do you have a place where you where you can hold, call home? And basically the word wohn is a German word which means home, basically, although we are a Danish company. And there's there's nothing I gotta imagine that's more degrading than someone being called homeless. Because home there we have all these sayings, home is where the heart is, home is the one place you don't leave or you always come back to. And yet we have a world where it, in the U.S. there's lots of space, yes, and there's pros and cons to that. But in Europe, in a lot of the developing world, there's a lot less space, there's a lot less resources, and we've got to get a hell of a lot more efficient if we want to house everybody yeah. effectively. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. That's the point. And that, that, that sort of brought us to was how can we sort of was make a supply and, and make a supply of, of these sort of affordable tiny homes. And what we then did was we then sort of looked at, so what sources can we sort of use? And there we started looking at, say, what other properties do we have? We have a huge problem with waste, in particular plastic waste, less so with glass, but particularly with, with plastic waste. And the, the metric there is, which is sort of basically unbelievable. Every year you produce, or we produce, somebody produces, the world produces, 
3 million tons of plastic. Only 9% of that is sort of recycled. The remaining 91% is basically wasted, burned, put in landfill, or just dropped somewhere. So and, and, and to 300, me... 300 million tons? Exactly, per annum, per year. Yeah. Wow. Which is crazy. That is just, Every it's, year. It's Every so year. much raw material. It's so much junk. I think that that's what a big part of the reason I wanted to have you on is I'm shifting the focus of disruptors now to be more to- mm-hmm. geared towards the type of companies I think the world needs and the type of companies I work with as a consultant. Triple bottom line businesses that have a mission saving the world and making money in the same time. How did you... Exactly. So it sounds like you had the, the initial thought process of this is the big problem, housing people, and then you tried to find sustainable ways to do it. It's not that you saw these intersection of issues and came to woan from that. No, it, it, it was really, so as I say, a, 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 a strong sort of wish and will to basically make change, make an impact. And was there all sorts of problems where you can sort, 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 sort of try to, to, to solve? But to me, to me, really, inequality to me is the core of, of the problems we see in the world today. Inequality caused for all sorts of reasons. The problem with inequality is that it's, well, it's very bad living conditions from the, from, for, for the people sort of involved, but also it really caused sort of social instability. As well, many of the problems we see today is very basically due to to, to social instability. Um, so that's where, we, as I said, that's where we started. That's where we started, sort of say, how can we actually change that? And then, and then we start looking looking at homes. And after that, we basically look at sourcing. What other problems can we sort of solve in the pro, in our process of finding the right sourcing? The point here is actually that we, uh, which which is quite interesting. By using the waste, which basically we get in at a type of net zero cost, not totally zero, but a net zero cost because it is waste. Uh, um, that's a way we can actually drive our cost down uh, on building these homes. And the same applies for 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 glass. And then again, with all these many people, two hundred thousand people a day, as I said, moving to the cities every day, we have to learn to live smarter to live tighter in, in the way we live. Urbanization as such, to me, is a great plus uh, from an environmental perspective. But basically, the infrastructure around us in you know, sewage works and, 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 and pipes and whatever, you, the utilization per sort of kilometer or meter or whatever is a lot bigger in large urban environments, which is good. I live in the countryside myself, which is sort of ridiculous. We're sort of 200 people sort of, sort of having, using a, a pipeline of, of whatever, two or four kilometers. Has that been a big city? You'll be 20,000 people using the same pipe. So from an environmental point of view, a sustainable point of view, urbanization to me is, is, is really good news. The problem is cities have big difficulties in, in coping with it at the moment because the, the pressure is, is, just, is, is as hard as it, it, it is. And for that reason, we say, what's the hack here? And to us, the hack was these said affordable tiny homes built by by waste, waste plastic, waste waste glass, and that, and it was a thinking process basically. We started with, with a bigger scope, sort of solving inequality. How do you create the? Does it make sense? Pro- yeah. How do you create the product? Because I feel like being able to reuse the the used waste. That's something that a lot of entrepreneurs mm. could theoretically create yeah. their own versions of what you're doing, but completely different products. Yeah, there, there is, and there are some without sort of sort of sort of uh, so, 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 say, saying too much. There, there are some tricks to it, of course. Uh, but basically, it's about um, we take the waste plastic in, and the waste plastic come, can come from various sources. Uh, you have sort of industrial waste plastic, which is sort of the cleanest one. You have have waste plastic from 
uh, what's sort of collected in, in the general sort of urban environment. And at the end of the day, you have waste plastic, which is just floating around. And that's where we want, want, want to end with. That's also the reason why we think we need to tokenize the waste. We need to tokenize the homes as well. Actually put a value to the waste and plastic float, floating around. But basically what we do do, the waste, the plastic is, is, is coming in. It's sort of, sort of sorted in whatever type of plastic it is, because there are many types of plastic, you know, polypropylene, PET, palm, whatever. You have all types of plastic. And we have to get sort of our, our get around which is which. And then we have special formulation. How can we then sort of grind them and melt them together and then start sort of uh, uh, make these, these homes? And this, there's uh, two routes of doing it. One, one is the sort of 3D printing. And one is about extruding. Uh, and, then, and then it's sort of a type of uh, mixture of, of, um, of the two. What percentage of plastic that's is, re- is recyclable in this way? I know some thermoplastics are not able to be recycled, reused, broken down, etc. Yeah. To us, it's, it's, it's what's called POM, and it, it's PET, PET, and polypropylene. Uh, those are, are the, the three sort of major sources, both we have access to, but also which we use. And then though, and, and basically the, when you get sort of, and, and, and it, at the moment, most of them are sort of, sort of hard plastic, and that's more, more because they're, they're easier to handle. But basically the plastic is the same, whereas it's, it's sort of soft plastic, hard plastic, both are PT, both are PP, polypropylene. It's, 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 it's the same thing. What percentage um, of that 300 million tons do you think would be reusable in a 3D printed fashion or an extruded fashion? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Mm, Just an estimate based in, off of being in the... Yeah. In theory, it should all be. There's not, the, 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 well, the PVC is a problem because of, of the chlorine in, in, in the PVC. Uh, when you start sort of heating it up, you, you, and it, it sort of, uh, you, you get chlorine uh, sort of fumes, which you don't want. Still, in Western Europe, or in Europe and the US, uh, in Europe, sort of PVC is not used that more anymore. Uh, you don't you, you don't produce that much new PVC again because of the the, the chlorine. But the um, in theory it should be all of it. I think and and basically you have the people who work with this many not many some companies they take in plastic they sort of try and and so sort of upgrade it and recycle it and then turn it into circulation again. I think at the moment many of them they have problems because the the process cost of doing that. Uh, um, and the, they also have to sort of distribute into color and things like, 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 like this, which makes it very complicated and makes it at the moment sort of uncompetitive compared to, to, to virgin plastic. We don't have that problem. We can use any color because it, it's all going, going down in the same grind. And that gives us an, an, an advantage here. So it's, as I said, back to your question, in theory, all of it, but get some is waste. So say 80% should be uh, reused by, by, by no means. What other industries would you see stuff like this being applicable to rapidly, easily, cost-effectively? I think what's important here is you need to look into industries where you can take a lot of volume. And that's what, what, what we can. Because I think lots of projects around, so then somebody has made a new chair or a new pair of, of, of glasses or whatever. You need, an awful, you need an awful lot of chairs and glasses to sort of to move and rock with, with these volumes. And to, to, that was one of the reasons why I would say, hmm, what about building a home out of it? So home, to me, is obvious. I think also, as the way you do use plastic already today, because the point is plastic is not as bad as its reputation. The problem is that with plastic is that we just sort of throw it away and drop it somewhere. Lots of steel is replaced by, 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 by plastic, which is good news in terms of what the CO, CO2 sort of uh, uh, um, 
develop during the process of steel com- compared to uh, to plastic. But I, I think houses, as we say, I see I see no reason why why can't you make sort of basically sort of sort of cars, not not the engine, but the the, the car design things like like, like the car, car interior out of waste plastic. But to me, I think the key here is it needs to be large objects if we need to rock with those sort of giant numbers. Uh, uh, and I think the the usage into sort of other applications is better um, and more sort of cost effective than than um, trying sort of and, and, and distribute the plastic back again to, to, to where it came from because you, unless you can really say we don't care about color and we can and we can live with certain tolerances to, tolerances tolerances difficult difficult world. <laughs> what do you think the future of cities looks like? It's I feel like we are moving towards many larger and more powerful cities, but I'm curious to get your thoughts mm-hmm. on urbanization, what sustainable, eco-friendly, net zero cities in the future look like. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of cities, I said the, the urbanization is happening as we speak, you know, which which means these many, many people going into cities uh, sort of every day. And I think on, on a global scale, I think cities eventually will be stronger than nations. I think there have been written some, some books about that uh, uh, here and there, that actually cities will be the superpowers of the world r- rather than the nations. And I think the way the development will, will be is that when the cities learn to see their waste as a resource and being part of the whole sort of infrastructure of, of resources, uh, I, I, I honestly see we can make these net, net, net zero uh, CO2 uh, cities. It also means part of the, the food production needs to be, to, to be made sort of there as well. Then we come into vertical farming, things like, like, like this, which I also find is, is, is very interesting. But again, basically, it's honestly what, what I would like to see, sort of get, get cars out of cities. So, so try and, and make cities more sort of people friendly, more sort of, uh, sort of friendly for the people who actually live there rather than, than make design in a way that you just have to rush through in, in, in a car. Uh, that's, that's another point, but in terms of sort of, sort of where where will the power be? I think the power will be with, with cities in, in in the future. And again, it's good news. I think basically what's happening with urbanization, despite the fact that actually we have an increasing population still in the world, eventually sort of the, the, the we are giving sort of the nature back to to to, to countryside because people are leaving the countryside. And I think that's good news, uh, honestly. It's definitely good news. I'm curious. What are your thoughts and perspective? You're a European founder, and I feel like that has to have major implications on the type of business you're building and the outlook you're having versus someone who lives over here. What are the big differences you see? Compared to the U.S. and, and, and Europe? Yeah, just uh, European founders versus U.S. founders, yeah. not the not the countries themselves. Those are clear, clear okay. existing. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I think... Honestly, I'm very sort of uh, fascinated by the U.S. founding scene. And I think many ways, I think U.S. founders are more bold, are more aggressive than what you find European founders. And I think you need to be that in many ways. On the other hand, I might see more type of social responsibility being part of the sort of European founders sort of frame within their work. But you know, it, 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 this is very broad generalization I I, I make here. Uh, but but honestly, I like the boldness uh, which sort of U.S. founders have compared to what what sorry U.S. yes U.S. founders compared to what what, what I see in Europe. And also, I think the funding scene, so so to say, what sort of financial resources are, are around uh, is in many ways easier or more available in the U.S. than what what I see in Europe, sort of in in, in broad terms. 
I would definitely agree with that. If you guys are raising money, go to mattward.io slash elevator. I've got a free step-by-step guide on putting together a perfect pitch deck and some other stuff for mission-oriented founders. But I, I would yeah, def- yeah. I would definitely agree with those those trends that you have there. And I think that we need to be moving towards that world where it is more of the the triple bottom line businesses. I think we're moving mm-hmm. that way in terms of people wanting purpose, but it's still something that has a long way to go. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's true. Actually, I think things are, are changing rapidly at the moment. I think it, it's really what's happening right now with the, with the, 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 uh, with the, the wildfires you had in the US last year, you had them in, even in Sweden, in Northern Europe last, or year before last year, was happening in Amazon last year, we had Australia burning. I think that's really has pushed people to think differently. Uh, at least in Europe, you start, or maybe I'm talking as a Scandinavian, we have, in Sweden, you have a term called sort of flight, flight scam, flight shame, sort of the shame of flying. <laughs> and you can literally see that happening in Sweden. And that's actually moving towards also, 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 also sort of having involvement in, in Denmark as well. Sort of train connections, so sort of night train connections in Europe, in some mainland Europe, is being so, sort of reintroduced. They were taken off the table just five, three or four, five years ago. They're back on again. Uh, that's basically because there's a push from from basically from the population. The the the, the pizza so thing about it's usually so much more expensive to take the train is the hard part. It, sure, 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 and, and that's also the 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 um, the concern pe- people have. But the the um, the notion is people are aware of the fact that we might want to find another way of transportation, and then basically it's up to the sort of lawmakers uh, to say okay. What do you subsidize the most? The, the crazy thing about so, uh, 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 sort of take um, fuel for airplanes is that's, that's tax-free. There's no tax on, on jet fuel. But you have all the taxes in the world on the electricity produced for uh, uh, trains, for, 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 for instance. So there's lots of things you can actually do there as well. Sure, sure. Okay, I'm in I'm Scandinavia. Lots of tax on gasoline for cars there. <laughs> But, but, but still, you're, you're, you're right. What, what I'm trying to say is that I think things are changing rapidly now. And that, that's the good news. The bad news is it has to be this bad before we actually start to react as, as, as people, really, as human beings. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. Today's episode is brought to you guys by NetSuite by Oracle. I know I personally struggle with staying on top of business expenses, and that's even running a small team. I can't even imagine some of the large organizations out there. That's why those guys trust NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system that offers a full picture of your business, everything, one place, finance, inventory, HR, customers, you name it. No more guessing, no more worrying. Run your business like it's a business. Companies like Ring, Hint, Bowl, and Branch, and over 19,000 others trust NetSuite because if you don't have your house in order, it's real hard to build it bigger. Schedule your free product tour right now and receive their free guide, the seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash disruptors. That's D-I-S-R-U-P-T-O-R-S, netsuite.com slash disruptors to get that free guide, the seven key strategies to crushing growth for your business. I struggle with managing the numbers. You struggle with managing the numbers. And there's so much more that goes right into running a business. Make sure you've got that top level overview. NetSuite.com slash disrupt. And now on with the episode. What's the government's role going forward? I think in a lot of ways, 
Scandinavian countries are almost role model type countries in terms of all that they've gotten right. But I think it's also a lot easier to do when you've got a small, pretty homogenous population sure. that's also sitting mm-hmm. on a ton of natural resources and all. Yeah, well, some of not, not some of us are. The Norwegians are yeah. <laughs> lots of natural resources, and, and the Swedes have in terms of water and so on, and, and water, water turbines. But I think you're right. Clear. The smaller the population is, the in many ways the easier it 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 uh, it is. I think, honestly, I do think that the, I think private businesses actually can move things quicker than governments can. What happened, for instance, in Denmark is that if you go back to the election we had four years ago, we just had a general election last year, the election before that, four four years back, environment was not so much of of, of an issue. Clearly, you had some parties which were, were sort of flagging it high, others, others weren't. The election we had last year, the scene completely changed. Six months after the, the, the election, that's the scene changed once again, which actually meant that now in, we have 70% with this, this target being, being 70% current color on, on our carbon footprint in Denmark, which sort of, which, and it was the whole parliament will actually went forward. So lots of change happened there, and that push came from the pop, from the population, which then forced the politicians to, to move. And that's what, that's what I think actually when you, when you look at what's, what's happening in the US with, with Trump as president and so on, pulling out of various or climate change deals and doing everything he can to, to, to sort of pull out of, of any obligation, uh, the US has sort of had. Good news news, the good news there is actually that businesses started to stand up. Cities and municipalities and cities and, and counties started to, and states started to, to stand up. Basically because the business case started to be, 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 be good on sort of more sustainable solutions. Uh, so honestly, I think that there is a, a, I think businesses and populations drive the change more than actual governments do in many ways. I could definitely agree with that, especially when it's a situation. I mean, the Trump situation is kind of like the kids on the playground that see the bully and then the kids come and beat, beat the shit out of the bully. That's, that's kind yeah. of, that's kind of what we're hoping for. And we're starting to see with a lot of action in the U.S. I think it mm-hmm. is, I think it is still tough, but I'm a big believer in the, in the power of business to make those type of changes. So having the, basically, once you can get the incentives aligned, incentive systems run themselves. What are the big problems you guys are struggling with now in terms of growing the business and scaling? The problems we have, is, and it's not a problem as such, but where we stand, the next step is basically to raise the money we're looking for to finalize the product. What we did was that we went into the marketplace, basically talking to people, talking to various sort of sort of uh, cities municipalities and, and so on and say is the market is, is this what you need talking to various folks and the response has been really incredible so basically what we have we have sold the product before having the product and so we try to is basically to prove is the product market fit very sort of straightforward sort of commercial case is the product market fit for this is all just also think it's a good idea and the product market, market is definitely there we then started with student homes but that's that's basically what's Particularly here, well, anyway, in the world, what's more in size, student homes, and what's big demand, student homes. That's where we started, and they really sort of hang on to that, and, and, and so, so, so can can sort of connect to the story. So what we do now, the problem is we have is raising money, and but I won't call it a problem. It's, it's more phase we are in, and that's for 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 sort of a type of of seed uh, uh, round we we um, we're doing. 
Could you pre- could for you go, final, could, could you go Tesla's route and pre-sell product enough to be able to fuel it? Yes or no. The point is we don't, and that comes back to the business model we have in Vaughan. We talk about sort of a new model of uh, home ownership in Vaughan, which basically about that you don't own your home anymore. Uh, we see a future where part of the home is owned by others, by third party. We call it fractional ownership. Which actually means, and it's also about how can we redistribute wealth and make a business out of it at, at the same time. And what we looked into is that what's happening out there in sort of the trends, you do see a trend which is, I think some call it the end of ownership. That's what's happening. You, you don't own your music anymore. You don't own your, your, your movies anymore. It's Spotify, Netflix, HBO, and, and, and so on. Mobility is the same thing. You don't own a car anymore. I have a car here, but this is the last car I think I will own, actually. Uh, next car, I won't own it. Own it. I would actually buy access to it. And we think the same thing actually will happen to homes, particularly if they're modular, if they're flexible, if you can, if you can move them around as we can. And it's based about how much room do you need now? Do you need one cube or it's a cube? Do you need one, one module, two modules, three modules, whatever? When you don't need that much anymore, basically you don't pay for it anymore. So we call the homes as a service. That's what we like to introduce, which means in terms of what's happening here, because we sort of own the homes, we, we sell 30% of a project we will sell in fractional, fractional ownership terms, which actually means, and that's where the tokenization come, comes, comes in. So if you tokenize the building, the home or the project, what has to happen there? If you are in a sort of developing country, you um, have moved to a city, uh, basically you're, you're, you're poor, you live in a shack somewhere. Uh, but you do have a little amount of money. You can actually get access to the home market by buying a fraction of that home project over there, so to speak. That fraction might be in, in the sense of saying one dollar or, or one dime or whatever. That doesn't matter. It's still small, but it actually gives you access to the home market, which you won't have today. As what I said before, to begin with, the way the sort of real estate market is developed is that those who have the money, they can buy the buildings, they can buy the land, and then make a fortune out of it. And those who don't have that, they have no access to it ever. We think we change that actually by sort of allowing fractional ownership of, of the homes. I that means then I to us. I trying to do two steps. If I put my business hat on, I think what you would be better off doing would be selling ownership of the homes to people mm-hmm. in a Uber type style. So you're selling to the drivers. And then the drivers are then renting the homes via your platform to students. So students can sign up for, oh, I need a night here. or I I need uh, three months there. You guys don't have to own the inventory. And then you're able to, as you continue to grow, start to scale up the fractional ownership of allowing people to own that. But I think initially you could offset your cost by basically franchising the models out to others and then managing it all for them. That's true. That's true. It is actually the, when I talk about fractional, fractional ownership, that is, that is, I say, further down the road, uh, the road. But you're right. And we, I, I like the idea about having a platform. When it says, as you say, we have a platform. Where we started was that we said, because we can move the home around, it does, it's not built on a, on, on a foundation. It's, it's put on the ground via what's called ground block. Uh, it's a spike, basically, which means we can move it around. So we don't need to own the land. So if you have a piece of land available, we can put a home there, and then we can make a cut on, on, on the rent. But I like your idea where you say you can sell it to anybody, basically, and then we make a cut on the on the rent because we we sort of sort of make and offer the platform to the world 
of where can you actually get access to, to, to these homes. It's a good idea. It's a good way of doing it. Agree. And you guys find the you guys find the demand. You guys handle everything. Someone else just owns it and gets a cut of the check. Kind of like yeah, someone exactly, else exactly. A percentage of a solar farm. It's um, it's a really interesting model. I want to pivot a little bit now. You mm-hmm. seem to be big on blockchain. I know you run a blockchain podcast. You're very involved in the crypto community. I'm curious how that happened. Why the enthusiasm and what the what the state of the enthusiasm and in industry is today? Right. Yes, it's, it's right. I, I, it's actually the, the podcast I run is actually paused at the moment because I had to quickly focus on, on, on Moon. But actually, the, the, um, the reason why I've been into blockchain, it's, it's, I'm not that old in blockchain land as such. I've been in the space for two, three years, which is a lot more than many others. But, 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 but those who started the space some 10, 10, 12 years ago, clearly I'm, I'm, a, I'm a newbie there. But what I, what I, to begin with, thought was interesting about blockchain was the fact that you could actually, again, going back to the fact, can you redistribute wealth? Can you sort of activate, activate basically dead assets, make them active? And that's what I call about dead assets. It could be sort of waste. We have the plastic, which you could put a token on it and you turn the plastic into a home. I'm back, back to, back to one again. Turn the plastic into a home. Suddenly, You've activated uh, waste and make a home out of it because you tokenize the, 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 the raw material. I like the idea about tokenizing things and basically distributing the wealth into many, many people. And that's what you can in, in, in the blockchain space. As, as you know, you go down to the, sort of the eighth decimal of, of value in any item. The blockchain space as such has been well, crazy. It's, it's been very messy and lots of sort of was well, easy. You had you had the ICO craze uh, two years ago, eighteen months ago, and and so on. And I think I think it's, it's basically going through a natural cycle anyway. That you have so sort of something was sort of sort of invented. The very sort of nerdy ones got involved. It started to get some sort some 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 traction. Then it starts getting into hype, and then it sort of you know get overhyped and explodes, and basically starts forward again. It was the same thing with many people sort of compared to what happened with uh, the internet. Basically, lots of hype, uh, lots of money involved, all lost, and then it sort of started over again on, on whatever was was left on on the first wave. And that's what that's what I see happening in 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 the crypto space at the moment. Also, new sort of blockchain technologies and thinking is, is coming up. To begin with, was was it was just a gold rush and could I make a token? Make people sort of try to believe that if you believe that this token has a value, it has a value. Full stop. Uh, you need to have something behind it. And I think that's what's happening now with what's called the sort of security tokens, which basically you can sort of compare it to to or to security to share in in some in some asset or or the other. And that's the route we we are taking in uh, in Vaughan. And again, the reason why we would like to do it is based on a way we can sort of redistribute wealth, but also a way we can also make some type of financial engineering. When you start working with pe- with those people like like Maker, who make these a die stablecoin, you can do some 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 in, some financial engineering there. If you have a real asset involved, which could work as collateral, then that's where where the, the home sort of come comes in. I think. The blockchain market as such is maturing. It's growing up. It's still early days, but it's growing up. It has lots of sort of, sort of bad reputation to, to, to deal with in sort of in the general public space. And so, so be it. I think that might not be sort of new news anyway in, in whatever invention com, comes, comes uh, along. I would say it's 
it's one of those things where it takes a while to get to what it can get to. I think that yeah. blockchain has some major, major potential in terms of ability to create transparency and things that are incredibly opaque. Mm -hmm. And by merely yeah. doing that and then also bringing, so to speak, as you were saying, assets online or having more having simpler ways of paying there's a lot of different things that i find fascinating with the space i get a little worried when i hear people are into blockchain because i know most of them are into it or a lot of them were into it from the past either speculating on cryptocurrency or icos mm -hmm. but i think going yeah. forward it'll be something where the blockchain can't be the that it has to whatever you're building has to be uniquely enabled by blockchain and done better because of blockchain i think most of the projects of the past were done in spite of the fact that blockchain would make whatever they were doing more challenging yeah what, what many people say is say well, why don't why don't you make just a, a general database you know why does it have to be distributed <laughs> and 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 so on i actually have a meeting today we we are part of a um, sort of uh, Will accelerate, incubate a type of, of, of process where, where when I talk to one of the other companies uh, there, uh, who, who works with, with, with AI and, and, and also works with, with, with blockchain or had worked with blockchain and say, why don't you make sort of general sort of, uh, database with, with what we want to do? And, to, and again, to me, is we need the, to compare, depend on what, what, what blockchain you use. If you work on Ethereum, you can make, you know, these smart, smart contracts. You can make some automation there. Which I think is both very clever, but also sort of important. Uh, if we have these four cases, fractional ownership of things, you need, we need to know, say, okay, you own this part of this building over there, and the rent which comes in automatically go, goes back again to in whatever fraction you, you have. Uh, um, and then I like the, as you say, the, the, the transparency, definitely, because for us, we see also blockchain as part of our, our supply chain. People come and say, well, come on, guys, you build homes out of waste. And yes, we do. And we know exactly what waste is in what building and where and where it is. And that's where we can use the transparency of, of, of the blockchain. I don't think the waste part important. I don't think tracking the waste and where it is is important. All right. Yeah. I think for you guys, blockchain could be very cool once you're established, but that it'll hold you back mm -hmm. before you get to be established. Agree. And again, what we do do, actually, we... we when when we when we're talking to people, blockchain is part of what we talk about. But at the moment, we we are talking about sort of, sort of turning waste into homes. So that, that, that's how we do it. And and also when we are raising money now, it is sort of well, it's, it's fiat, it's, it's general, it's dollars, it's euros, it's krona, whatever the currency is. That, that's that's absolutely absolutely right. Uh, because the the understanding of what you can do with blockchain is still very little amongst the general sort of uh, investors and angels we, we speak with. Absolutely. But, but to me, it's important to mention that, that we, we do see it as a way that we can actually redistribute, redistribute wealth, which is a core part of what we want to do. And we can make money on it uh, in, on, on the go. What it, it needs to be a business. What technology or trend are you most worried about and why? <laughs> yeah. The um, thing which I'm worried, worried about is, which, which sort of concerns me a lot, it is very much about the uh, surveillance, particularly sort of visual surveillance. In many ways, that sort of freaks me out, honestly. Uh, uh, what's happening in China, for instance, is, is very, very bad. And you start giving people sort of, I can't read what the word is, but you give them sort of a score, uh, say, are you a good citizen? You, uh, and we can see you're a good citizen, could you do this and that? You get a plus score, which gives you access to um, 
a won home. You get to live in a house versus be homeless, right? Well, maybe. Yes, exactly. That could be. That could be. That, 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 that's right. And on the other way, I say, so, sorry, Matt, you have some behaviors which we don't like. So we take about, we take away some of the, the sorts of uh, uh, benefits you, you had had before. That really freaks me out. Uh, video is one thing, but surveillance in many ways. And they, you know the book by Sushana Suboff, I think is her name, The Surveillance Capitalism, mm-hmm. which is about basically the, 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 the well, data harvesting and put that into a, uh, and, and surveillance in many ways, uh, and put that in, into business. Uh, that's a very sort of bad type of sort of development we, we, we're seen. And that's, that's, that's a, a surveillance which people don't sort of, sort of realize. I think people are still very, very sloppy with, with, with the data. I actually think when you have more and more video cameras come up, come up in, the, in, in the streets, people start to, to realize what's actually, what's actually going on here. Uh, and the point is, many people say, well, say, I have nothing to, to hide. What's the problem? You might, that data might end up, some, might end up somewhere where that data could be a problem for you if you are in that same uh, location or we have a regime change somewhere. Suddenly, we don't like the habits you, you have and you, you sort of disappear. <laughs> so, um, it's, yeah, it's surveillance. a slippery slope. Yeah, it is. And, and that, that really con- concerns me. It does. It does. And for people that think they have nothing to hide, in Soviet Russia, how it worked with the KGB was when something would go wrong or you would see something happening with your neighbors, you report them. Because if you don't report them, something might come back on you. And over time, yeah. every every the level just gets further and further because you report all of the bad people. But now if no one's being reported, suddenly there's still got to be bad people. So maybe that next level that's a little bit worse gets reported and the next and the next. Mm-hmm. next but ultimately you find yourself when you're reporting people it it continuously increases the level of what is and is not acceptable because otherwise mm-hmm. what you're doing becomes unacceptable and in that, yeah in a situation like that you never escape and even the ones who should be the mother teresa's come under fire because the system requires its uh it requires its food so to speak it's uh yeah it's a scary yeah. It's a scary, slippery slope to, to tyranny. And I think every, every shooting, every terrorist event, it only moves us further in that direction. We never seem to go the opposite. No, exactly. And, and, and I should say, every standard, sorry, every, every event creates a new standard, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, new, new, a, a, a new normal, which is a, a, a problem, definitely. And honestly, I see, again, also, and we talked about so climate change and so on. We need to see some very bad examples, um, and people need to see them before they start to react to it. That's apparently the human nature. I don't know why, but that's that's that's, that's how we are, unfortunately. If you want to be, scared, we we we're slob, we're sloppy. If you want to be scared, folks, open up Google or whatever browser you're using. Go to Google. Go to your account. You can Google a way to do this. Look up your location yeah. history, and Google will be able to show you every single location you have ever gone to since you had an Android device, or Apple can do similar thing, I imagine, yeah. with iPhone. It's um, it, it gets a little bit freaky. And then open up mm-hmm. Facebook and look up your account history, and you'll see that message that you sent to that one girl 12 years ago while you were in high school. Yeah, that message is still there, because in case they exactly. want to use it, they still got it. It's privacy and you don't have it. And I don't know how we fix it without making people pay for everything because the the business model of free is the business model of advertising. Exactly, exactly. I, I think 
you take you have you have medium as an example, you know, which is a medium as a, where you pay for content. I think there's a future of sort of paid content uh, uh, distribution. Eventually, there might also be a future of paid sort of information distribution. You know, if I'm I'm using Slack a lot, I'm using Twitter a lot. I might be prepared to pay for it, uh, but maybe it's only because I'm sort of I'm concerned already because I sort of you know. Then we have a worse. I'm, I'm sorry, then we separate the rich from the poor. The rich you get do. good information and a good experience. The poor get to sit through garbage and get the bad experience. You create that. It's yeah. the the problem is just mind blowing. I also mm-hmm. I also want to be respectful of your time, Morton. I got a couple last oh, no questions problem. for you. Sure. Let's say you weren't doing what you were doing today. Let's say you were eighteen to twenty years old. What would you do? <laughs> what would you focus on, and why? Yeah. Honestly, I think I would be down in this sort of impact uh, uh, route still. Say I would like to do something impactful. And I think the good news is. Most of the 18, you have a boy, a son, a son who's 18 years old, a daughter of 16, another daughter, which is early 20s. They are all going down the purposeful route uh, and track. And I think I would do the same. What I would do today is act, actually, I, I, I would like to, I had like to um, store some sort of practical science, you know, th- practical science where you can make sort of impact on the world, basically build and make things. And, and that, that's, Anything but computer science and science in, in many ways. Uh, it's more about, say, okay, in terms of biology, in terms of other types of science, say, where can we actually make a difference? Can we make uh, energy in a different way? I, try, I, I would like to, to study those and then be curious, be, be curious, be uh, explorative, definitely. Curious. That's, 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 that's exactly. Be it's curious. Absolutely. Thing. And be curious yeah. about the big problems. I like how you guys did it. Um, Morgan. Yeah, thanks. If you had to peep, leave people with one thing, it can be anything, a quote, a call to action, what would it be and mm-hmm. why? Before you tell them where to find you, of course. Sure, 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 sure. Well, I think we talked about it in, 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 sort of during the conversation, but it's really about put, put purpose first, really. I think as a human being, as a person, I think we really are, we are obliged to sort of make an impact in the environment we are. could be sort of in the close circles. Uh, and it could also be in sort of wider, more sort of global circus. But really, I think have a purpose in, in any action we do. And when you have found that purpose, you, where you want to make a change, be persistent with it. So crack on, there are lots of people who like to sort of tell you you're going down the wrong track. If you have a real purpose, carry on with it. Don't believe what the other folks say. And it goes back to the point, what I do as, as, as you know, running a startup business, perseverance, that's, 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 that's the name of the day. That's a core skill you have, you have to do. And in many ways, you can say that also tracks back to politics as, as well. The problem I see in politics today in many ways is more sort of pragmatic, more sort of, maybe even more sort of populistic rather than uh, running on a type of, of, of uh, ideology. I'd like to see more uh, ideology in, in what we do. Because to me, having ideology is also having a purpose. How do I want to see the world sort of develop? as what I want to sort of fight and work for. Gandhi said it best. Be the change you want to see in the world. And you know what? You got one ride on this roller coaster of life. You might as well make it fucking count. <laughs>
Martin. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's your word. That's your, that's, that's your, that's a lot better way of, of, of pronouncing it. Absolutely. No Fully worries. Agree. No <laughs> worries. English is my first language, so it's almost like a sure. card. Where can people find you, learn more about you and what you're doing? They can. Uh, well, I'm on Twitter. Uh, that's the M Bove. That's M-B-O-V-E. Uh, that's me. And then clearly, they also, uh, uh, drop me an email, which is Morton, my first name, M-O-R-T-E-N, at Vaughan Holmes, I better spell it as well, which is W-O-H-N-H-O-M-E-S.com, Morton at Vaughanholmes.com. Uh, I'm really happy to sort of get in contact with people who sort of, sort of share the same issues as we do, so that can we change the way we actually sort of access and apply homes to, to, uh, to the world? And would you like to, to be involved? Reach out, please. Please do. And renewable resource creation for products. Pretty cool, guys. If you're doing similar stuff, go to mattward.io slash mission. I've got a free mm-hmm. guide on there to help mission-oriented triple bottom line founders who are trying to build something great, make money in the process, and have that actually be beneficial for them in marketing, sales, PR, the like. So mattward.io slash mission. Thanks for doing this, Martin. It's been a ton of fun. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure being and- here. Thank you. And thanks for tuning in, guys. It's been an honor having you here. And until next time, cheers. Be the change you want to see in the world. That's something I strive towards and fail towards every single day. If you enjoyed this podcast, if you think the world could benefit from conversations like this, the greatest compliment you can give us is referring to the disruptors to a friend or talking about us on social media. Please take 30 seconds to do so. It would mean the world to us. And if we're lucky, help us build towards a better world. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for helping us spread the message and have a great day. If you want more of the Disruptors, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or go to disruptors.fm, where you'll find tons of audio and video interview stories with leaders in the fields of genetics, cryptocurrency, longevity, AI, space, VR, and much, much more. You can also follow me on Twitter at MattWardIO. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a quick review on iTunes at disruptors.fm iTunes to help more people discover the podcast and help us make a bigger impact.